The Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. Tonight's song is... Specter versus Rector. Uh, this is from Dragnet, released October 26, 1979. Interesting. I, I didn't realize until just now how close to Halloween it was. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, it's it's pretty Halloweeny album. So uh, at least this is definitely Halloweeny song. Yeah. Which is why we will probably release it in October. <laughs> It's uh, cre- one of the creepiest songs. That it really, yeah, it really is. So, um, so I wanted to talk about. There's two main authors with this one. Yeah, and they both go by uh, two initials in their last name. Right. So, uh, so one is Montague Rhodes James, better known as M.R. James. Uh, he was an English author of ghost stories. Um, I think that one of the most famous ones is. Uh, Whistle and I'll come running to you or something like that. In which, so there's a a pretty decent updated version of that on Amazon Prime now. I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you know, watch that. Um, thing about Mr. James was he was basically um, he was an author of ghost stories slash weird fiction um, and a, a medieval scholar and provost of King's College, Cambridge, and Eton College at different points in his life. So he was an academic. Um, The big thing about M.R. James, well, big thing for me at least, uh, one is that he was huge, like, amongst, like, horror writers, especially British authors, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, But two, like, one of the things he did was he got rid of a lot of the gothic trappings of horror stories. So basically his stories are about an antiquarian or a uh, professor who's bookish and he goes off to do something and gets harassed by a ghost and, you know, comes back. So... So, like, all m- most of his protagonists are, like, bush- bookish antiquarians just like himself, okay. basically. But he took, he took that—he uh, didn't have to go to a castle in Transylvania. He's going to the coast to maybe work on a book, mm-hmm. and then that's where he sees a ghost, you know, after— because he's really worried about his wife, who, you know, whatever. Like, that's kind of the— Simple plot for Whistle and I'll, I'll Come to You, My okay. Boy, or whatever it is. Um, so he, he got rid of the gothic trapping. So ghosts could show up anywhere at any time and fuck with you, you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> That's, those are, those are M.R. James stories. Uh, the second is uh, Mr. H.P. Lovecraft, who is uh, a.k.a. Howard Phillips Lovecraft, uh, he was a, an American writer of horror stories and weird fiction. And, um, oh, I should say M.R. James lived uh, late 19th, early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, actually died in 1936, I believe. Yeah. Was born in 1860-something. 1862. Yes. Okay. So uh, Lovecraft died. Oh, shit. He died at my age. He died when he was 46 of cancer. 
Oh good. Um <laughs> uh, that's why I quit smoking. Anyway, so um he was a weird fiction writer. Uh he's most famous. Well, nowadays he's most famous for being a blazing racist. Uh which yeah. tends to be what everybody says about him. As we said in another episode, artist no art yes <laughs> so you know i don't care what he named his cat it's horrible yeah uh he's from a patrician family you know you can hate him but his but the thing that he created is a huge part of horror stories and yeah. the horror mythos so he basically created what is known as the cthulhu mythos although that's probably not pronouncing it right because it's actually in unutterable <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but basically, Lovecraft, Lovecraftian universe. It's a universe of gods and monsters. As uh, what is that? Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, to to a universe of, or two gods yeah, and monsters. Yeah, God yeah. yeah. I knew it was something. It's also a movie. Actually, a pretty good movie. If if you've never yeah, seen that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's actually a really good movie. Um. Anyway, sorry. Uh. Jesus. There's going to be lots of uh, digressions. So Cthulhu Mythos, Universe of Gods and Monsters, um, and there's tons of gods and monsters that uh, not only Lovecraft created, but he allowed people to take this universe and create their things to go with it. Right. Um, but the, the god that is mentioned here um, within our song Spectre versus Rector is Yogg-Sothoth, Yogg-Sothoth, uh, who is the co-ruler of the outer gods, along with Azathoth, um, that takes the form of a conglomeration of glowing spheres. And this is where uh, Alan Moore comes in. So, apparently, Yogg-Sothoth, uh, the glowing spheres, is possibly based on the spheres of the Cliffoth, um, which is the representation of impure spiritual forces in the Kabbalah. And that's what Alan Moore used for Jerusalem to break up the book into chapters or whatever. I think that's what it was. Wow. So it's just random, yeah, Kabbalah shit taking over the world, man. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds almost Scientology-like. I know, it kind of is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's just really weird. But if you look at, yeah, (laughs) we're going to leave it there. Uh, the Cliffoth, um, the, the spheres of the Cliffoth, if you look that up, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get the idea. It's basically a bunch of spheres, with, and they're all con- interconnected with different lines. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that is what Yogg-Sothoth is. And for years, I thought it was Yogg-Sagoth, because I think it's because of that goddamn Sebado song. Yeah. <laughs> Which, obviously, I've listened to a lot. But, uh <laughs> But I was even asking I was even asking Melissa that last yeah. night. I was like, wasn't it Yag Sagath? Like what the fuck? No, it's actually apparently Yag Sothoth. So uh S-O-T-H-O-T-H. And also what's to to give you an idea of uh how embedded Lovecraft is in music, mm-hmm. Azathoth, the other co-ruler of the Adder Gods, translates into blind idiot god, which is another band. Hey. Yeah. So I could have kept going with all this kind of shit, but I finally was like, just cut it there. Got got what you wanted. Because, <laughs> yeah, Lovecraft is everywhere. Yeah, like, he's beloved. Yeah. Um, there was a great 
podcast. There's actually a great documentary came out a few years ago about Lovecraft that like okay. Guillermo del Toro is in, like a bunch of different writers. Um, and then there was a great podcast that ended a few years. Well, I think ended. Might still be going, but as far as I know, they okay. went. They were going through all of Lovecraft's stories, huh. and like kind of having people read them and then talking about them, kind of like what we're doing with fall songs. Yeah. Probably where I stole that idea from. Um, anyway, uh, it's a it's a it's a good podcast, and I can't remember. It's called like Lovecraft World, or you know, whatever the fuck Cthulhu. Yeah, and there's like I know there's board games. There's yeah. Uh, Batman, uh, when he goes to Arkham Asylum, that's Lovecraft. Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, there's an entire Lovecraft film festival that happens here. There's a bar here. It's yes, called the Lovecraft. Lovecraft. Uh, yeah. The, but, but this universe, like many, many people use it. Um, right. not only Arkham Asylum, but the, what is the university there? Shit. Anyway, there's a university that gets used in a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, Three animators based on yeah. It's like See, that's, that's a favorite. That's a favorite old horror movie that's based on a Lovecraft thing. Yeah. Just yeah. See, anyway. That's the thing. I don't know that I've read any Lovecraft. Stuff. It's yeah. I'd like to just because like you've been talking about it's so referenced and embedded and people have made you know uh, movies based on his work that I have enjoyed. So I feel right. like I should get back to it. You should. Point. You should possibly point. should. Um, yeah, I think the Beyond is based on there's some stuff. There's the Mountains of Madness, which yeah, Del Toro was gonna make but stopped for some reason. So my wife and I had my wife Melissa and I had this argument because we were I was we were talking about HP and yeah you know uh, finding it ironic that he possibly used something from Kambala to because he was such an anti-Semitic racist, racist piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Uh, and I've had this argument about another author, which is me being a snob. But I, I think I actually said this within the last year: is like if you if you're reading Jack Kerouac past high school and take, wanting me to take you seriously, I'm not going to. I feel the same way about uh, Lovecraft. Anyway, so I just happened to read okay. like I had a teacher who gave me a Lovecraft book, uh, and so I read some Lovecraft. I didn't read a lot. My thing is just from being sort of enmeshed in literature yeah. and stuff and studying literature is I'd, I have that problem of I'd rather hear people talk about it than actually read it sometimes. Okay. And that's kind of my thing about Lovecraft. I, the guy's fairly overwrought and like, okay. <laughs> like kind of hard to read sometimes. So, so find that podcast in which they go through the stories. Okay. It's a much better experience than actually reading most go. of the stories. Right. Watch that documentary. It's a yeah. great documentary. Yeah. Um, knowing that that kind of thing is based on Lovecraft and that people are taking it and moving it forward, like, what was that? There was that one where, uh, movie like sci-fi slash horror where um, they went to, like last year, where they went to another planet and it was like, um, God damn it! And it had Natalie. Oh, Annihilation. Yes. So that's a that is a Lovecraftian tale, because the oh. aliens. He had a book called The Color from Outer Space, because the aliens you couldn't even 
see them like like the language you couldn't it was un inutterable unutterable mm-hmm. uh this alien was nothing but colors so you couldn't actually see them without dying because they would just kill you wow. you know so the color from outer space so that's that's a lovecraftian idea okay. um so that's why in annihilation like when they first get there the that sort of shield yeah it's like everything's shimmering a weird yeah. color like that's that's a Lovecraftian idea, so that's why I'm like, eh. if you've read some, you've probably got the idea of what's okay. going on. Right. As long as you know what a Lovecraftian idea is, yeah, then I you're do. good. But and, and I just know people. Now, if you're in high school or junior high, you should read some. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure we've got a lot of junior high people listening. To I I tell my neighbors to listen to it all the time. <laughs> no, I don't. They just they don't even know me. Um. I, my friend Tim, who lives in New York, uh, who did live here for a while but moved to New York, like he's like a diehard Lovecraft guy, like swears better sure. up, down, left, and right. And, and you know, like I said, I'm just being a dickhead no, snob. I think I, you should, yeah, you know, I, I, like what you yeah, like. I don't, I, I'm not going to hold I, it against I wanna, you. I want to give it a try at least, just because, like I said, like most of I've <clears> seen movies that his work has been based on, yeah. I like those a lot, and I get the, the ideas of his work that have shown up in popular culture. I've appreciated, so I feel like I would get something out of it. Yeah, if I don't like read everything Lovecraft ever wrote. Right, right. So I would, yeah, I would say like, there's there's a few, um, the Innsmouth stories. Okay. So, because that has to do with more like weird aliens and shit like that. Right. Um, Rat in the Wall, the Rats in the Walls, I think, is a Lovecraft story. Okay. I could be completely wrong about that. It's fine. You might want to hold off on that one. <laughs> look it up and make sure. I'll look it up. But but definitely the ones where like read the ones where like there's aliens involved. Yeah. Like the stories where um like the Innsmouth stories, the stories where they go to the university. Oh, it's oh, it's right on the edge of my tongue. But like uh the Arkham Asylum stories, the one where like they find the Necronomicon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of story where it's like these weird things that are you can't say and you can't even think about without going insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a great way to get around actually <laughs> saying it. But also it makes it so like mystical. Yeah. Like, which is, will come in here in a second. So I'm not just, you know, talking shit. But um, so yeah, read a few. Okay. There's, there's quite a few of them. Yeah. And you know, they were mostly like in weird fiction and or weird stories magazines. Yeah, so yeah, he yeah. was writing to... Um, and, you know, like, he's from a very patrician family back east in, what is it, Rhode Island or somewhere. I, th- yeah, I don't even think I wrote it down. Um, just ugh. Strangely married a Jewish woman for a while. Lived in Brooklyn with her, which is where that mountain goat's title comes from, yeah, at least. Yeah. And then they divorced, strangely enough. <laughs> Named his cat Horrible Things. We know this. Oh. We're just saying, you know. We're well aware. Yeah. Um, All right. So anyway, what I was going to say about those two is one, they are both prevalent in this song. They're both horror writers. And two, and I think I've mentioned this before, probably in the beginning, but and I can't remember where I heard it first. But M. R. James, the other is the poor, like poor people. Right. Uh, H. P. Lovecraft, other is anyone who is not white and rich. So. <laughs> The poor, but also 
people of color, immigrants, every like yeah. he's yeah. So with James, you know, the poor is kind of inner. It's kind of the same thing, but there's a slight variation of the two, I would say. Um, okay. And I think oh, I I read it in an article about shit. It might have been a Mark Fisher thing where oh, yeah. it sounds nice. like something he would say. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so he does a thing called like. Krakens in Memorex or something like that, uh-huh. which is around this time, about the songs of this time period that are about um, about the horror writers and the story-based songs and stuff right. like that. So I'm going to say it's from that. Um, so definitely read that. One, because Mark Fisher's a great writer, and two, yeah. because that whole essay is really great about... Um, I think it's actually in the K-Punk book, too. Okay. But I think you can still find it. I don't think it's the whole thing is in the K-Punk book. Anyway, um... But there's more than just those two writers in this song um, that I thought was interesting. So <clears throat> the beginning of Spectre versus Rector, this sort of chorusy thing. So there's two things. Um, one was I could so for years I thought it was Yog Sothoth rape me Lord, and it was on that on some lyric yes. sheets. The annotated fall, and there's actually a bit down in the uh, the discussion where they changed it to Ray Melant. Yeah. Which I, which is interesting because there's this great story about, you know, the guy who runs the site having to sit around watching Ray Melant movies for 120 days. And finally on like the last, you know, and then it was like somebody, he's got his eyes spread open like in Clockwork Orange and, you know. Yeah. And finally on yeah. like the last day they find like, a line from this song or something in a Ray Bland movie. And they're like, Oh my God, it was all worth it. Anyway. So I don't know if that's all true, but it is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, Yog Sothoth, rape me Lord was how I always heard it. But, uh, they're saying it's actually Ray Maland, uh, which is interesting because what happens to that sort of nonsensical sort of chorusy bit that shows up between the parts of the song it's like M.R. James, Vivant, Vivant, which is what, alive or living or something yeah, in yeah. French. Um, then Yag Sothoth, Ray Meland, uh, and then Peter Van Greenway, who was a British writer of uh, sort of a sort of thriller, sort yeah. of horror stuff. And then R. Corman, which is Roger Corman, who was an American director, but did stuff over in Britain, I think. Like, yeah. he did some, like, the, his Frankenstein movie and Dracula yes. stuff. Yeah. So he was not only a director, but a producer. So, like, tons of people, uh, directors came up through him, like Corman, um, Joe Dante. John Downey. Yeah. So, and the, he his thing was cheap films, usually some sort of exploitation, yeah. so he, you can make your money back. Um, so Joe Dante did Piranha, Corman, or... Uh, not Corman, uh, The Brood and, uh, damn it, Canadian director guy. Cronenberg. Cronenberg, thank you. God damn it. Uh, it's, you, you, we should make it as a drinking game. So every time I forget a name <laughs> or something else, but anyway, so, and then, yeah, so, uh, Corman was huge on like B movies yeah. on the B movie scene. Yeah. Um, basically, oh, he was he was actually asked to do the Sex Pistols movie That's along right. with uh, Roger, Ebert. Roger Ebert. Yeah, yeah. so he was he over did, in he England. Was rock and roll high school. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, little tangent. I've been listening to this uh, podcast called The Movies That Made Me. And it's Joe Dante and another guy, oh, yeah, and they yeah, bring yeah, in people. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, it's really good. Basically, Joe Dante is there to get told about um, matinee by every person who comes in, <laughs> or Gremlins 2, and to, like, he knows fucking everything yes. about every movie. Yeah. It's, like, bizarre. Um, anyway, so... And then there's this weird thing about the sludge high toy 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 son, which down in the um, in the annotated you know discussion, they're talking about how this might actually be some sort of translations from like about pirates in literature or in movies, and I was just like, okay, cool. <laughs> you found the Ray Milland thing. I'm, I'll go with it. But like for the most part, like this is more. This stuff is more like incantations or something. Yeah. Uh, and when you break, but when you break it down, it's all about like di- movie directors and writers and what they've created mm-hmm. in a way. So I find that really interesting. Uh, the whole, the idea of the song is based on the little chorus bit of like, it's all about imagination. Right. Yeah. And it's about a horror movie. And then like the, the rest of the song is laid out in the weirdest sort of like um, screenplay-ish. Like, it, it reads like a screenplay. It reminds me of uh, David Foster Wallace has a short story that is basically just a, a psychiatrist notes about a, 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 a patient. Okay. And it's written like notes. And I think he might have actually yeah, yeah, done yeah. this in uh, Infinite Jess as well. Like, yes, there was a bit of that in Infinite Jess. Yeah. yeah. So, but from I remember a short story where it's like a doctor's notes too. So it reminded me of a brief interviews with hideous man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I couldn't. Re- I knew it was in that book, but I couldn't remember if it, that was the one. I think it was. Yeah. So that's been a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but it reminded me of that sort of idea. So like. He brings up authors, imagination, directors, and then he lays it out like a movie, mm-hmm. basically, um, giving us parts rather than, I mean, there's dialogue, too. Uh, and what makes the dialogue ironic is that some of it is from apparently a Ray Milland film about being buried alive, but also uh, Dracula. Like, yeah. the unclean stuff is from Dracula, right? right? Um, so, I, so I actually this morning went through the parts... And just to give us the uh, plot line, mm-hmm. I was just going to say yeah, what they were. So, and it's it's pretty it's pretty simple. Like uh, one uh, English rector who is the a rector is a parish priest. Uh, the term rectory moved over to America, but I don't think rector. They don't call them yeah. yeah. So um, so English uh, rector, the parish priest, is attacked by an ancient demon. Uh, that's the that's the first part. Mm. Uh, second part, a detective is driving through Hampshire, where the uh, which is the home of the rector, um, pulls over to visit the rector because it's foggy out. <laughs> and when he gets there, there is no part three, but it's uh, like presupposed within the song, basically, because yeah. it goes from two to four. But this is where the specter actually possesses the rector. Right, so in Ford, detective versus possessed rector, the demon tells the detective, like he's been waiting since Caesar to basically rip your fat body to pieces. Like he's talking shit on uh, the uh, detective, 
right? right? Yeah, the inspector, as he gets called later, which I thought was pretty hilarious because he doesn't do that until the end of the song to make it all rhyme. So yeah, it's it's a good it's a good thing. Um, in the fifth part, a hero just emerges from the mountains, coming down from the mountain. Uh, we find out, um, and this hero has been possessed, you know, a thousand times. He's a little strange. Uh, and he's soaked in blood, but always good. So basically, he basically he's an exorcist who's coming to yell, like help save the rector and the inspector from the specter. Like right. So I think that's it. <laughs> um, so in part six, the hero is ineffectually possessed. Uh, and I thought this was kind of interesting. I mean, this is my paraphrase, but this is basically what it says. It's like the the hero has sold his soul so many times that the possession just doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't even affect him yeah. anymore. Like he's sold his soul thousands of times. So he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, like <laughs> the demon can't hurt him anymore. Yeah. And then in the end, which is part seven, uh, the inspector and, hero, inspector and hero leave the scene together. Inspector is half insane. Hero goes back to the mountains, exhausted. And I wrote, still possessed with question mark. So, right. you know, that never really is resolved. And then, you know, as kind of the throwaway line at the end, oh, the rector's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was pretty funny. But, but it, he just lays out a pretty, like, simple, like, story plot line uh, there. Um, and the, the only really sort of meat that he sticks on the bone is sort of the, uh, the hero talking, um, about the fact that he's been, you know, possessed thousands of times, the, uh, the possessed rector telling the detective and slash inspector, you know, I'm going to rip you to pieces. I've been waiting since Caesar, which I thought was an interesting line. Yeah. Which also brings back the whole Roman idea of. And old gods and blah, blah, blah. So it kind of <laughs> seems like all these things have been working towards the, uh, you know, new versus old, old versus new sort of idea yeah. of most of these, most of these songs. Um, so that's a plot line. Um, the only other thing I had like right now was just the music, which is the greatest, which is what made me like attracted to the song in yeah. the first place. So... Apparently the first part of the song was recorded in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, On like a cheap tape recorder. Yeah, and you can hear Mark singing the first time in the warehouse, and then he's singing over the top of that, which he does, they do a lot throughout the, Mark's in the Falls yeah. career. Um, it, I, I know I've used this before, but like Dragnet is so smeary. Like it's, there's no separation in anything. Right. And this becomes especially clear on this song, mm-hmm. where his doubling of the vocal lines a lot of times makes it feel like, to go back to a Frankenstein, like where the guy comes out at the beginning of Bride of, I think it's Bride of Frankenstein, where like he's saying, this may chill you, it may, you know what I mean, yeah, like maybe yeah. thrill you, or whatever. Or I think that's actually from, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um... But him, it's so it's like a guy standing in front of the curtain, kind of opening the curtain, telling you what's back there, while somebody like a million miles away is screaming about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like how <clears throat> I read once where somebody said that David Yao sounds like somebody being held in the basement, 
Like his lyrics are like him. He's he's being held in the basement, tortured and screaming up to help him. Yeah, this is totally what Jesus Lizard lyrics sound like all the time. Yes, it's kind of what Mark's got going on with this song for me is what I'm envisioning a little more. So yeah, and I just love that it it gets it's so badly recorded, then it gets in your face in yeah. the middle, then it goes back to the weird, and it's also really simple. Yeah. It's an incredibly simple guitar line with like this weird Twilight Zone-ish guitar over the top of it. Yeah. So anyway, I really, I really love the juxtaposition of everything in this song. Yeah. It's, it's a, a it's great a, mashing of, I think, you know, I've used the idea of this high art, low art thing before, but that's, that's yeah. what it feels like where it's like these very dense literary themes, very high amount of literary themes of this ugly, ugly music. <laughs> yes. You know, but I, I love, yeah, I love that about it too. <clears throat> and it does add to the, you know, the creepy atmosphere of this weird story that he's concocted. And which is likely the intention, I would yeah. imagine, you know. I would say like just being a a big horror movie horror fiction fan. Um British movies in uh especially like hammer stuff seem to be more way more about atmosphere than say American movies. Yeah. And I think that, so I think that that plays into that whole idea of this song being way more atmospheric and Jack the Rippery or whatever is going on. You know, most, a lot of movies nowadays, a lot of horror films are all about jump scares and yeah. I hate those. Yeah. Freak you out. Yeah. There's a place for that. Sure. But I, I think, you know, Creating a full atmospheric, you know, experience when you're watching these movies is far creepier to me. Right. Like Ari Aster is doing the movies that he's made so far. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you about that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> Play a little Because I, I haven't, I want, I'll probably just wait until I can watch it at home, but I want to see that one too. Anyway, uh, but yes, so um, definitely atmospherics within this song. Yeah. Um, and just like the, and it's kind of of a piece with all of the other story songs that we've talked about and that we will continue to talk about. But I also think that it's also of a piece with Puritan, mm-hmm. which is like the whole definitely like uh, scary music hitting you over the head um, atmospherics of that, of yeah. like that and the Peel Session version. But also like the writers in Corman, although Corman sometimes was you know americanized with his whatever yeah. but he was he could do a good um sort of atmosphere but definitely the writers like mr james hp lovecraft they were more atmospheric and Definitely. um so yeah thumbs thumbs up here it's for that song. song yeah one of my favorites of the fall for sure yeah so yeah there you go happy happy halloween <laughs> i guess if we ever if we get, if, if we work out, yeah. Put this in the Eraserhead soundtrack on and just keep it away from the house. <laughs> or you can find a Blood on Satan's Claw soundtrack. And there you go. It's mainly just a bunch of high pitched noises and just blast that one out the window. <laughs> That'll be good. Or we were talking about uh, Goblin and uh, City City of the Dead, the Fabio Fritzi. Fabio Fritzi. Yeah. yeah. Which is basically like a Goblin soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Any good Italian. 80s zombie films. So, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks.